Welcome to Below the 49th, my personal perspective of my neighbor to the south, Below the 49th. I'm Michael A. Charbon. Today's date is Tuesday, August the 25th, and today's title is Guilt and Guilt. Uh, guilt is a noun. It's the fact of having uh, committed a specific or implied offense or crime. You feel personally or morally guilty for something you did wrong. Gelt, on the other hand, is also a noun, but it's Yiddish. It means money around Hanukkah. You give gelt as a gift, so simply gelt is money. Today, America has both guilt and gelt in what economists are calling a K-recovery where they observe that the rich are up and the poor are down. Where the gelt in the stock market is going and going. I mean, it's up 50% since March, where Nike and Amazon and several others have had really record profits. And where those with money and substantive jobs have somewhat ridden out, or at least started to begin a recovery from the pandemic. Another phenomenon is that people with financial means are leaving the burning and lawless inner cities. These cities victimized by the mobs of social chains where some lives matter more than others. You see, they're moving to more rural locales where law-abiding lives matter. America is also feeling a great guilt, where many wage earners of less than $20 per hour actually occupy 10 of the most you know, most popular occupations in America. This group is gravely suffering the pains of work and having no money, uh, trying to pay the rent, just, just basically life stuff, you know, putting food on the table is a challenge. Brick-and-mortar bigwigs like Nina Marcus, J.C. Penney, J. Crew, and many thousands of independent restaurants have all filed for bankruptcy. The U.S. Labor Department est estimates that only 40%, 42%, I should say, of jobs have come back from pre-COVID levels. The result is that the credit card is becoming the plastic bank, packed with treacherous compounding interest rates that ex escalate the mounting pressure each month. These factors basically increase the distance between the haves and the have-nots. So in the pandemic, many legions have started to work from home, uh, where for many they had to also reinvent themselves. This reinvention, though, really has only affected those with a higher education and those who already had some financial means and a job to weather the storm. One survey realizes that 63% of those workers with college degrees could work from home, while only 20% of high school diploma people could do the same. Quite the difference, and really talks about the importance of high school. The current political blue team sets this broadening distance between the two groups as part of their platform for the upcoming decision in November. You see, where guaranteed minimum wage, free health care, free college all sounds good to the disenfranchised. And then add the dog whistles of you're a victim, the system is systemically biased, and it's packed with entitled, high-educated people with a perspective of privilege plagued with discrimination. Consider these low-wage earners are now being told that they are deserving of more pay, absolute equality, and even guilt for past indiscretions deserving of proportional reparations. This effort is to reduce the divide between the two groups to achieve a form of monetary justice and social self-worth in an attempt to create equality. Trying to solve your guilt by throwing guilt. You know, in business and in capitalism, the market ultimately determines one's worth, the job you get, and what you get paid. See, the market wants the most of the best 
for the least amount of money so the market can generate the most amount of profit. The adage, life isn't fair, means that no one is really ultimately in control over that, what happens. The universe has no conscience, and it's not aware of color, right or wrong, fair or unfair. So when opportunity presents itself, it's you who's responsible to prepare yourself, apply yourself, demonstrate your work ethic, your ability, your experience, and sell that fact that makes you the right candidate. But today, when, when jobs are so tight, some now are demanding that employment engagement be sanctioned based on skin pigment. You know, where the count or the number is representative of a certain percentage of your workforce. So now it's subject to scrutiny based on a color metrics and affirmative action motivation infecting employment. The disconnect further occurs in youth, where some are under the false sense that even they should be given a guaranteed wage and a job, that they should be guaranteed why minimum wage? Kind of like, you remember when the blue team under Bill, you know, the, uh, never had that guy, right? He pressured the government to give home loans to low-income sectors of America. He stated that every American was entitled to own a house. So what did they create? Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Remember those? That was the home mortgage companies regulated by the Department of Housing and the Urban development, wink, wink, nod, nod. That little gem created the 2008 housing crisis. Again, using guilt to try and reduce guilt. Oh, but I digress with facts. See, the most uh, desired economy and destination in the world is the American dream. But the American dream has never been based on a guaranteed outcome. The American dream is based on a guaranteed opportunity to anyone, from anywhere, with nothing, to achieve the American dream. It's up to you, the individual, to earn your worth. A worth based on qualification, character, work ethic, experience, and education. A business owner is not interested in supplying you or I with the job. The business owner takes on employees to help them make money. If you don't earn money, you're dust. The employee is gone. Today, it's estimated that to train and integrate a new employee in a well-paying, mid-level job can cost 10 grand. So competition for such a job is resulting in a ranking process. Ranking based on, guess what, guys? Experience, qualification, personal motivation, education, how you carry yourself, your first impression, and how you fit in with other people. You, you know, even what you might look like. See, for some jobs, that teardrop tattoo under your eye or those letters on your fingers or on your neck doesn't fit into what an employer feels is right for their job candidate. You know, any book teaching what things to do in a job interview outlines these characteristics front and center. When your mom said you should be a lawyer or a doctor or a dentist, it was with the understanding that these occupations were high wage earners. And if you became one of those occupations, you'd be financially safe and successful. No one ever said start a social network and become a billionaire, or start an online book club that became a billion dollar global success, or take your cell phone and, and rap about life and create music and then rocket the international chart success. Actually, for some of those jobs, the teardrop tattoo and all that can work. But then again, it's about the market that determines what's going on. But the real message here is that you can come from Cuba, 18 years old, with 10, 20 bucks in your pocket and very little English, 
and now you can be a successful business owner and employ people. The American dream was never based on a guaranteed outcome. The American dream was based on a guaranteed opportunity to anyone from anywhere with nothing. So if you think that the blue team's premise, we will tax the rich to equalize the inequities of others, is a formula to success, they exist in an utopian dream, and basically they're smoking the drapes. This is an unattainable premise, and it's called socialism. And socialist countries have never been successful. And even in socialist countries, there's the elite who make more money and have more money than others. Remember, the rich only have so much money, and they, like their feet, will walk themselves and their money to a better place. Kind of like what's happening in America today, where zip codes ravaged by the destruction of the mob's social justice are now reasoning, or realizing, I should say, that the evacuation of people with money to other areas where they are safe, backing the blue, and the rule of law matters. Martin Luther King once said that a riot is a language of the unheard. Well, we heard the rioters, and the tone of their language, and the actions are destructive and definitely not peaceful, resulting in the mob's long-lasting negative social effects that will leave cities scarred for years, who inevitably must fix the mess of their inner cities, harvesting the cash from taxes that will be paid by less people in a city that remains trapped by people paying higher taxes. Sounds inviting? So in the end, the attempt to uh, quell guilt by paying guilt always backfires. Finally, to my American Facebook viewers, I hope you can see this post. As you know, Facebook prevents selective below the 49th posts from being promoted to U.S. Facebook viewers and media outlets as they exert indiscriminate censorship, arbitrary, uh, arbitrarily deciding not to allow selective below the 49th posts to be posted to U.S. viewers. So please subscribe and uh, leave a comment if you can, share if you'd like. Uh, all those considerations I very much appreciate. Until next time, God bless, stay safe. I'm Michael A. Charbon, and this is Below the 49th.